Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. All right, today's message title is The Anointing. If you are writing it down, I'm going a little old school today. If you're new to church, this is a word that you're not used to, but the anointing is the title of the message. We're concluding the series today. It's been a five-week series, ever-present, the Holy Spirit here and now. There's so much that can be said about the Holy Spirit, but we wanted to focus on the presence of the Holy Spirit, meaning the, 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 the connection that we have with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this series has been providential. To many of us, and I hope you have taken advantage of what we've shared, the moments that we've had, the ministry time that we've had to experience and deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you remember, we started on the day of Pentecost. So we talked about the day of Pentecost, and and then the following week was about the active presence of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, we talked about the gift of the Spirit, and we went through all of those gifts that Paul listed in the in, in the scripture, most of them anyways. And then last week, Alini shared a phenomenal message, a powerful message on the fruit of the Spirit. And she focused on what causes the fruit of the Spirit. Because we all desire the fruit of the Spirit. We all want the fruit of the Spirit. And then she, she talked about what, what causes the fruit of the Spirit. And it was one of those revelations that, have you ever written something or done something that you're like, I hope I had thought of that. Or somebody else does it and you go, I hope I had thought of that. You know, when I was younger, I used to write songs, and, and uh, when people would write a really good song, it's like, dang it, why didn't I write that song? <laughs> and with messages now, you know, Alini was sharing the idea with me. I was like, man, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but it was a powerful revelation on, on holiness, that if, if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, the things that Paul listed are the fruit of the Spirit, what is the tree? What bears those things? And she shared uh, its holiness. I encourage you to go back and listen. But one observation that I have for you on that is that the fruit is for others. We all want the fruit for ourselves, right? We have this mentality that, man, I want love for myself. I want patience for myself. I want kindness for myself. I want goodness for myself. But all of those things, a tree doesn't consume its own fruit, right? The apple tree is not there munching on on its own apples. It bears fruit for others. And so God is calling us to bear fruit for others. Our benefit is community with Him is is it's holiness and one of the greatest things that holiness will do for you is to transform your mind from a mindset of a consumer because that's what the flesh wants it just wants to consume to a mindset of a contributor and that's our call as well so i don't know if you've noticed but each of these messages have been about experiencing the holy spirit in your life that's why the tagline says the holy spirit here And now, and that has been the focus. And so I was wrestling with today's message because I wanted to make sure that we we ended this series right, that we could bring it all together and that and that those people that would be here, which I know now it's you, that God would have would have already known that you would be here today and that you would be a message that it would bless you for those of you watching as well. And so I was wrestling with it and because there's so much that can be said about the Holy Spirit. 
And, and you know when you know what's supposed to be shared, but you don't quite have the words, like God gives you an idea, but you're trying to come up with the words. So uh, I know in my heart that what God wants for us is for you to have a fresh revelation of His life and a fresh revelation of your experience with the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk to you about the anointing. The anointing that comes uh, from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you are a curious person and you're curious about life and you are inquisitive and you ask questions, you might wonder when you read the scriptures and you hear about the stories of old and you hear about what Jesus has done and the miracles he's performed and the signs and wonders that the prophets uh, performed in miraculous ways. You might wonder what happened to that. We might, you might wonder, well, what, 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 what are these, where are these manifestations? Where's the evidence? Why does it seem sometimes that we live in a vacuum in our history where these manifestations don't quite happen anymore? I think it's very apparent that we live in a, in, in a, in a season where we have a crisis of faith. I've said it here before that we, we have matured in different areas. We have definitely matured as a society in technology and science. And we have matured in, in the areas of being able to set up systems where we contribute to one another, right? It used to be that you have the king, the emperor, who rules over all, and then the people just had to fend for themselves. Now we have a system in society where it's more equitable and people can can uh, 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 progress. But we really have digressed, I believe, I believe, in our, spirit, in our spiritual journey, in our faith. We are less uh, 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 mature when it comes to faith. And I think that a, a lot of effort has been placed, especially in our generation, on abandoning God. On, on, the, on anything related to the divine. And it's being sold to us as a sign of maturity, as a sign of growth, as a sign of sophistication, to ignore all that God stuff. There's a twisted sense of egocentric narcissism that has been presented in colorful tones, in a colorful lens, in, in, in ways that is seen as self-reliance or self-actualization or empowerment or self-confidence or things of the like that sound good to the ear. And these words are said because if you hear them, they're understood to be good. And in their proper context, they can be Good, if the definition is right. But I've said here before, and I'll keep saying this, we have a problem with definitions in our culture. We have a problem because we have come to this place where the oldest political trick in the books is making its way to mainstream, which is the ability to manipulate definitions to serve whatever purpose the, the, the person wants to serve. It's a, it's a political trick that every politician in the world has used. But I, I, I fear that what, what, what we're forgetting is that it is a trick. It's not true. And, and we're now treating it like a resource. 
And before I can go anywhere with my message today, I need to remind you that words matter. Words matter. I need to remind you that definitions matter. That saying that you are self-reliant when you're actually proud doesn't do you any good. That saying that you are self-actualized when you're actually arrogant doesn't move you forward. Oh, I'm going there today. I'm going to push you a little bit today in love. See, I had someone tell me once when I was trying to share the gospel with this person. This guy said, listen, I like religion. I, I see the benefit of it. I think it's important. Churches are important for people who are down and out and can't handle their lives. It was one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard. For those people who can't help themselves, church is good, but I'm not one of those. And he was so blinded to his own... <laughs> This, to his own uh, uh, sense of, of inflated sense of self. That he thinks, he thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person because I, I think that those, those people need to be helped. I want to push this a little bit today because I think we need to see the light. You know, definitions matter. And culturally, I don't think we're moving toward clarity. We're moving toward confusion. There are people making the case right now that 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4. It's, it's an argument that's out there. And they've created an argument that in their minds makes sense. In their minds, it makes sense. There is a lot of controversy now and a big confusion on the definition of the word woman. If you say that a woman is an adult female, look at the silence in the room. <sighs> if you say that a woman is an adult female, it's highly offensive to some people. They get defensive because an argument has been created and has been devised. And it has been manipulated. So, and people have embraced it. And in their minds, it makes sense. They're being true to what they believe. But it's not random that these definitions have been manipulated. It's not random that definitions are an issue today. See, the spirit of Babylon produces confusion. And just as when you're connected to God, you receive the spirit of God, which brings clarity and brings direction when you're disconnected from god you're susceptible to the spirit of babylon now i've talked about this in, in, in i think four weeks ago we talked a little bit about babel so i don't want to belabor the point but if you remember the story of the tower of babel the point where their where their disconnection from god led to them was the point where they couldn't communicate uh, god removed their ability to communicate and confusion entered their, their, their reality, their community, and confusion brought their ambition to an end. Now you might ask, G JD, what in the heavens does those things have to do with anointing and the Holy Spirit? <laughs> More than you think. Here's our first scripture for today, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. It says, but my righteous will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. The righteous shall live by faith. Faith in what? 
Just look at definition of faith, for example. You may think that faith is to think positive. You may think that faith is to believe in yourself. You may think that faith is to believe against all odds that what you believe needs to happen will happen. And I have one problem with all of these definitions of faith. Because these definitions of faith are around our culture today. And I have one problem. It's almost as though whoever came up with these definitions went out of their way to remove God from these definitions. Have sanitized faith to be secular. And the problem is that faith that is effective has to be directed at God. It has to. Otherwise, it's just fluff. And then it doesn't happen. You let go of faith altogether. And that's what has happened. That's why we have a crisis of faith, because people don't believe faith works. Of course, they're placing faith in nothing. Faith that is effective has to be directed at God. Romans 10, 17 says this, So faith comes from the hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. What we understand about faith determines how we live our lives. We have to get our understanding of faith in line before we can have an effective relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we're to experience the presence and the power of God, we need to identify certain parts of our lives. We need to identify and get rid of any adversarial cynicism or skepticism that might have crept in, posing as wisdom, right? Because usually that's how it is. Uh, Dallas Willard wrote once that you don't have to be smart today to sound wise. You just need to doubt You can be as dumb as a cabbage, he wrote. But as if you look at somebody and say, really, you think so? Everybody thinks you're so smart. But doubt is not wisdom. And there's a lot of ideas that pose as wisdom these days. See, there's a difference between not being gullible, testing the spirits, as the scripture tells us to, being wise about what you believe in, being wise about what you put your faith in, versus simply being antagonistic and having your heart completely shielded from the gospel. There's a big difference between the two. And I got to tell you this, that your relationship with the Holy Spirit depends on you having faith in what God said. I'm going to say it again. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit depends on you having faith in what God said. If that doesn't happen, your relationship with the Holy Spirit will be compromised. You have to have faith in what God said. In fact, this is the point of clarity and unity among the, amongst those who follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, this is a point of clarity and unity. While everyone is confused, we're not. We're not confused. We're not subject to the confusion of the world. We're not subject to the confusion of Babylon because we're not subjected to the spirit of Babylon. We're not under the same spirit of manipulation. Do you get what I'm saying? Because we believe in what God said, there is clarity. And we live at peace. We're not confused. So while the world is lost, we have direction. While the world is confused, we have clarity. There is a compass. There is a true north that we can look to. There's no confusion. So I want to, get you, I want to take you to a scripture. 
that connects what I'm talking about to the idea of anointing that we're sharing today. Uh, it's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 27. Before I go there, I just want to tell you, like, a lot of the things that we're facing culturally today, um, is they're, they're nothing new. The world just goes around, you know? And so John wrote in a, in a time where there were a lot of competing ideas, even about Christ himself. And so here is what he is uh, directing and counseling our, uh, our, our, uh, in the scripture. Uh, he's counsel counseling the, the church at that time. Verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not for us. They were not of us, sorry. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you, have, you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because, you, because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will too abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. Now listen to this. I write these things to you, I, I wrote these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. He's talking about deception. He's talking about confusion. Hey, there are voices and there are ideas that are coming to try to deceive you. Now listen to what he said. And he's talking about religious people here, actually. Now listen, listen to what he says, verse 27. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now this is a dense scripture, so I need to define a few things here. And if you're new to church, I am sorry. Come back next week. <laughs> but this is, this is a, it, it's, it's a dense scripture, right? But I want to... I wanna, pull some things out of it to bring clarity because he's connecting these, these two powerful things. And if you've never noticed this in the scripture, the anointing that God has placed in each and every one of us is effectual, not just for religious practices and for the moments where you're with God at home, which those are good, but it's not just for your closet prayers. Therefore, how you see and perceive the world and how you exist in the world. He's saying that the anointing teaches you, but before that he says, hey, listen, You've heard of the Antichrist, okay? So let me, let me define that. Antichrist is any spirit or idea or person who is antagonistic to Christ, who is against Christ. And the book of Revelation talks about the Antichrist as a person, potentially a world leader. There's a speculation of who it is, who it might be. 
But what John is making it clear here, and he's explaining is that, hey, I know you have heard of the Antichrist, but I'm telling you, many Antichrists have come. And then he says, many people bearing ideas that are directly opposed to Christ have come. So it's no particular person, it's the idea. Now listen, I don't personally know people that I know personally that would look at the life of Christ as represented in the scriptures, as represented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the New Testament, and say, bad. It's a terrible uh, uh, way to live. Horrible. I don't know anybody that would look at that, that, that personally. But I have read from people that have been critics of Christ, even though they are not quite talking about the Jesus from the Bible. And also, I, it doesn't take a genius to realize this, that while your friends, your colleagues, your family members might not be possessed by an antichrist mentality, many of our institutions today are entirely possessed by an antichrist mentality. It doesn't take a genius to see that. That we live in a world that maybe your immediate friends, they're fine. But the institutions, they definitely have an antichrist mentality. And so John is saying, listen, you've you got to keep your spirit from being deceived. You've got to keep your heart pure. You've got to keep your spirit from becoming hostile against Christ. And how do you do that? It talks about the anointing. So this is the second thing that he says. You have been anointed. So let's define anointing because the anointing was an actual ceremony of consecration. It was to consecrate a king or a priest. In fact, if you watched King Charles being, being elevated to the throne, a lot of people are like, why was it done in the church? Guess what? Because every king in recent history has come in the church. What's above a king? God. And so they come before the priest who represents the person of God to anoint them with the authority to be king. And so that is from the scriptures. That's how uh, the anointing used to be a ceremony over a king or a priest. Uh, and, but it also could be over something. Like Jacob anointed a rock and called it Bethel. And, and could be over someone too, the, the Levites and, and, and the people who are set apart for a holy purpose. So a few examples in the scripture of, of people who have been anointed. And the anointing itself is action in the action of putting oil over somebody's head. And so when God told Moses that his brother Aaron was going to be a priest, what did Moses do? Moses anointed his brother with oil. When God told Samuel uh, that David, to look for David to be a king, David was still a boy. He wasn't in, 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 even in line to be king. But Samuel went over to David and anointed him with oil. That was the mark. See, the anointing is a ceremonial act, like I said, of pouring oil. But the faith of the people was, or the recipient as well, was not on the oil itself. It was on what it meant. It's about the, the, the significance, the spiritual significance of what that means. It was never about the oil. It's, not about, it, it's about what it represents. And the anointing represents the presence of God. The anointing represents the authority of God. 
And so we have to understand that when the scripture says that you have been anointed, it's no little thing. And I believe I'm looking at people here who have been anointed. The presence of God rests on you. The life of God is in you. And God has given you authority to walk on this earth, to, to be his representatives, representatives of his love, of his kindness, of his goodness, of his mercy, of his healing power. John also, John also said this, that what you have heard needs to abide in you. Right In that scripture, he's saying, listen, everything that you have heard needs to abide in you. That's how the anointing lives in you. What you have learned needs to remain in you. You were anointed by the Holy Spirit. And when, when you, you, you had faith in the word of Christ, when you, when you had faith in his word, that's when the anointing came to rest on you. Meaning, the living and active presence, the oil of the Spirit, will teach you in such a way that confusing messages from the antichrists of this world will not prevail. The Word will sit in your heart and, and it will be clear to you. Even when people claim to proclaim the truth, you will know and you will not be confused. Why? Because you have the life of God, the anointing of God, and they don't and you can recognize it. You say, no, that, that, that's, that's not of God. Because you were anointing. You were anointed. And that's why faith is integral. That's why faith matters. Because every spiritually meaningful experience that you've had, every spiritual meaningful, spiritually meaningful experience that you see in the scriptures had a natural element to it. Either a ritual, a prayer, we have communion here often, right? You take the bread and you take the wine. What is it? Is it the bread and the wine that are magical that when you eat it, they just boom? No, it's your faith in the word of Christ that he says, hey, this is my body. And when you receive it, you're receiving my life. This is the blood that I shed for you 2,000 years ago. And when you receive it, you're receiving redemption for your life. Redemption for your, from your sins. Redemption from... Uh, the things of the past. It's a faith that connects to the life of God. Think about this. You, you, if you've been to a dinner party and you've had dinner with loved ones, right? I was going to use Thanksgiving as an example, but that's not always holy. <laughs> Some people don't have great Thanksgivings, if you know what I mean. But think about a dinner that you have that is sometimes you, you come together with either family or friends and it's, it's so meaningful. It's so powerful, right? You, you know that that time with connection, what a meal can facilitate, it could be just you and your, your spouse. It can, it, can, it can get you to a place that is spiritually powerful. It's, it's, it's breaking bread together becomes a spiritual experience. Because you can connect at a very deep level when you're around the table. Sharing life. Now, just because you can buy food at a drive-thru and have a Big Mac with fries in your car while Celine Dion is singing, Oh, by myself. And, and you're just munching it down because you're hungry. And there's no chance that that could be anything but carnal. There's no spiritual experience happening there. It doesn't mean that a meal cannot be spiritual. 
right? Just because you can downgrade it doesn't mean it doesn't have the potential. Just because you can have one night stands and go from affair to affair, it doesn't mean the physical intimacy is not a gateway to a spiritual connection. Because when you have made a covenant with someone for life, and you connect intimately the right way, the physical connection is a representation of a much deeper and spiritual connection. Now what's the difference between these scenarios? What's the difference between the people who experience the meal the right way? See, on one hand, that which is meant to be a deep spiritual experience is approached by the person as something shallow. Something utilitarian, something ordinary. I'm going to eat because I'm hungry. So I'm just going to stuff my face. And I'm not going to think much of it. I'm going to sleep with this person because I have a physical desire that I want to satisfy. So I'm going to use that person for my benefit. I'm just going to be a consumer. And I'm just going to use things for my own gain. Now, on the other hand, what you have is a person engaging in these activities with faith and a kind of reverence that makes that person take it seriously. It doesn't mean it's not fun. It doesn't mean it's, it's stuffy and it's a rigorous thing. You know what it is? It's meaningful. It means something. It raises the standards. You're not going to eat just any food. You're not going to just serve in just any dish. You're going to bring the fine china out. If it's not fine china, you know, it could be the home goods china. <laughs> hey, I love that place. I'm not going to be thoughtless. I'm going, to, I'm going to put my mind into it. It's going to be mean, meaningful. You're not just going to have your way and move on. You're not just going to care, uh, be careless. But you're going to care. You're going to savor. You're going to connect. You're going to belong. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. Now let me ask you this. How much do you love God? How much do you care? It'll all be displayed in your level of devotion and reverence and dedication and faith. Is this just another service you're coming to, to get your fix? Is this you just having a quick affair with God? Just coming to get what you want? Is this a drive through meal, spiritual drive through meal? Or are you willing to take out the fine china, so to speak? The fancy silverware and say, God, you have my heart and you have my devotion. You have everything. See, to be anointed by the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with our posture, how we present ourselves to God. It's our ability to remain faithful to God. Listen to the last scripture of the day, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And here's the Word of God for you today. It is time for you to start honoring the anointing God has placed in your life. It's time for us to begin to honor the anointing. You have been sealed by His Spirit. And some of you are walking like that doesn't mean anything. 
and I want to call you higher. Because you, you can't be living with the same defeated attitude, engaging in the same sins, giving your ear to the same toxic friendships, living like you're an ordinary person when God has called you out of that life. You can't go out lying and deceiving and living beneath the call of God for you. It's time for us to rise up. To say enough is enough. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live defeated. I'm not going to live insecure. I'm not going to live uh, sick and tired anymore. I'm going to honor the anointing that God has placed in my life. And this is something that none of us can do for you. Nobody can do this for you. God has anointed you to be a great father. God has anointed you to be a great mother. He has anointed you to be a man and a woman of integrity. He has anointed you to lead, to bless to excel, to conquer, to rise above any difficult circumstances. He has anointed you to speak and to live the truth. And I believe it's time for all of us as followers of Christ to honor that anointing. Let me encourage you with this. To replace your skepticism with faith. If there's skepticism in your heart, replace it with faith. Because I promise you, your skepticism is not working. Replace your fatalistic view of the world with hope in God. There's a lot to look around and to think, you know, in a fatalistic mentality. But I want to encourage you to hope in God. Replace that easy, laissez-faire way of doing church with a heartfelt devotion to God. And like I said, no one can do these things for you. But I encourage you to to change your attitude. It's time for us to change our attitudes. And above all, take God seriously. Take Him at His word. Let me encourage you with that, that if you do that, believe that God has anointed you and you act like it, you will receive not only His presence, but you will live in His anointing. Do you believe it? Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.